0: Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
1: Hello, and welcome to Dwell, a podcast for homeschool moms with homeschool moms. Um, Today, I'm going to be talking to a dear friend, Nina Harris, and um, about the particular challenges of being a working mom and a homeschool mom. And normally at this point, I also introduce Renee, but uh, Renee is listening, but she's having some technical difficulties on her end. So today it will just be um, Nina and myself. And so welcome, Nina. It's really good to have you with us. It's good to be here. Thank you. Yeah, I'm going to briefly introduce you and then you can um, fill us in on all of the details. So I know Nina as a friend and she's been around Circe for a while. You don't live far away, maybe less than an hour, right? And so we see you at Circe events frequently. Hopefully I'll see you at the Christmas party coming up in December. And so your friend, we've um, hosted you in your home, and you are a friend of Cersei, an apprenticeship graduate, and indeed, you're even on the Circe board. So um, I'm really grateful that you could be here today with me and talk a little bit about what it's like homeschooling as a working mom, because you are teaching in the nursing world, right, in midwifery and early childhood health. Prenatal and so on, and so as well as that, you have a very busy family. So let's start with that. Um, tell us about your work and um, your family, and the ages of your children, and kind of a little bit about your situation.
2: Yes, absolutely. Thank you for inviting me to share. I am very honored to be able to encourage other mothers and families that that are juggling the similar things that I'm juggling, and so. I have taught uh, graduate nurses for 16 years, and I've done that virtually. So long before COVID, kind of made distance learning and virtual learning a big thing across the nation. Um, I've been working in in that, and so I have students all over the country that I teach, and I the specific content that I teach is. Um, Women's health and childbearing. So these are nurses who have been been in practice and have gone through undergraduate nursing school, and they're returning to become nurse practitioners, nurse midwives. And so, I've done that for 16 years, and I started off very, very part time. Um, I remember starting when my oldest, whose birthday is actually today, he turned 17. Hello. I can't believe it.
1: Happy birthday, him.
2: Yeah. And it's all a blur. it It does really go by very quickly. But I remember being at the computer trying to get used to this format of of teaching as he's crawling around behind me on the floor. so i've I've done that. And then I uh, still see patients in the clinic a few hours a week. Um, thankfully, my teaching position allows me some time to still have patient contact. And so I um, value that very deeply. I work with homeless. So how many
1: hours a week do you do that?
2: Around eight as an average. Um, sometimes that's split between two half days. Um, sometimes I don't go at all because of uh, travel or other conflicts. So it's very flexible, thankfully. Yes. Um, and it allows me the flexibility to be able to homeschool as in addition to the the teaching position it is a full-time position at this point, and so um, it, it it's a juggling. I call my life a grace-filled circus. It, it really mm-hmm. does feel that way sometimes, but it is um, really filled with grace. And the idea of work-life balance seems a little unreachable sometimes, but when I look back and think through just each week, it really is there. Um, To be able to, and for me, homeschooling was a way to still remain connected with my children. And so right now they are oldest at 17, then my my next will soon be 15. Um, I have two daughters in the middle, and my oldest is the son, and we're trying to get that driver's license done.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't it feel like there are so many hoops to jump through in this age when they're late teens? So many things. Yeah.
2: And then my youngest is my youngest boy. He's 11. So okay, I have, so you I have, have a daughter who's
1: 15. And then how old's the next one? 13, so 13, 13, so, so 17, Fifteen. in a couple
2: of weeks, they will be 11, 13, 15, 17. So yeah. all odd numbers at the end of the year. And the next year we switch to even. So that's kind <laughs> yeah. of the pattern.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, um, how many hours of work right now are you working? You said full-time, but in your home, on the computer, how many hours is that?
2: So, I mean, it's a f- full-time position, so um, but it's, it's scattered. Yeah. Um, I put in hours in the evenings and weekends um, to manage the workload. And so, um, and the other piece of that is during COVID, I became a, a single mom. And mm-hmm. so there are times when the kids are with their father. And so that opens up some uninterrupted time. And intentionally when they were very early, um, even when I had more flexibility, I was very intentional about instilling independence in them um, and really cultivating a desire to seek out their own learning.
1: Um, How how did you do that? Can you you explain maybe a little bit about yeah. I you encourage that when they're little because so often they're right underfoot and or they are, you know, it's you're you, you get to the stage where you're like, mom, mom, mom. Mm-hmm. So but many you know, people yeah. want to know how you did that. Well, my children have, thankfully,
2: again, this is just the grace, the grace of God. Mm-hmm. My children are were the kind that would just sit and play by themselves. And, and then they had their siblings as each one came along and they were really close. So I had four kids under the age of six when my when my last one was born and they just became automatic playmates and there was never a time where i felt like one was craving that um, that individual attention in in that sense of that they were always calling me they kind of kept each other busy and so as far as their learning as they started to kind of do things break away and do things independently And they would come to me for questions after we've kind of, you know, after we've done the let's learn part, especially for something like math, I would say, hey, you know, have you thought about what you need to do first? What's your first step? And sometimes they hadn't thought about that. And so even a question as simple as, you know, think about what you need to do first. And is that adding, subtraction, Division, multiplication, especially for word problems, for example. Oh, yeah. Because they would get overwhelmed with mm-hmm. all the details. And I would send them back to think about what's the first step. And they got into the habit of doing that before they came to me for help. So at the same time, I was always careful to remind them that I'm here for help. And so I'm here. Come to me. Um, after we've done our together time, we, I've, I've, you know, veer from calling it morning time because a lot of times it doesn't happen in the morning. Sometimes it's Yeah, the that's gonna be
1: one of my questions. Yeah. So I it call it gathering. And I have a
2: Yeah, I call it yeah. gathering time. And I make the announcement, let's gather, you know, and sometimes that's during lunch and sometimes it's during dinner. And sometimes it's, you know, bracketing a meal a lot of times. Um
0: mm-hmm.
2: and it's not always first thing in the morning. In fact, very rarely is it first thing in the morning. I mean, we come together, we we're in the kitchen, we're eating breakfast, we're we're grabbing things to eat and sitting down and kind of checking in. But as far as that focused time that we we're conversing with each other and reading out loud and those types of things, often that's later in the day when I've checked in with the work I need to do for work. So it's um, It varies, and there's a challenge in that because the kids don't often know what to expect. And so I try to lay out the land for them at the beginning of the week, looking at what I have to do the week for that week, and then looking at what they need to get done. So I try well, to, because it was very frustrating. I went through seasons of just frustra- frustration because I wasn't able to have that predictable together time. So that meant they didn't know what was going on, but when I stepped back, I said, "You know, I haven't given them the lay of the land for this week or for this day even." And so, once I started to be more intentional about that, then it wouldn't take them thirty minutes to come and gather when I made the announcement.
1: Right? <laughs> um, they would. Yeah. They They wouldn't delay because they know this. They know yeah. the seriousness of the time.
2: It wasn't. Oh, let me get a snack, and oh, let me use the bathroom, yes. and and let me finish this. They so it took. That was my accountability of of letting them know what what I was doing during the day, so that they could know what to
1: expect. So, so. you don't really then have a typical day. You have a whole week of. On typical days, but you try to get everything done and let them know, you know, as you say, the lay of the land. Yeah. Right. Do you have Do you have a co op? Are they? Do you? Yes, we do.
2: That's that's been very important. And so there is a rhythm. Yes. So there is a rhythm because we we do co op um, once a week, and then they have an afternoon on another day of the week um, of music. And so we have a local, wonderful local homeschool music program. That is phenomenal. And so we've been able to be a part of that. And so we go and then I, they're in, they're shifting through classes. Um, Two of my, well, actually three are in two ensembles. And so they're back and forth in their what classes. What instruments are they playing? So they all do violin mm-hmm. or they all started with violin. Yeah. My youngest um, added percussion a couple of years ago and Even his very first semester, he would tell people, I'm a percussionist (laughs) and was just very um, serious about it. And so after he became very um, diligent in his percussion, I, I gave him permission to step back from violin. And so they all started with violin and my oldest added the saxophone. And now my one of my daughters is she added saxophone this past semester. And so they're both, you know, mostly in strings and band.
1: Wow. How many hours a week does that take up for them? You know, well, there and then practice, that's a lot. Yeah. They, so we're there um,
2: most of the afternoon um, on Thursday afternoons and depending on my oldest son just joined the jazz band. So actually he's in three ensembles. And so they're back and forth from the, from the van and, we figure out what, what work we're going to get done while we're there and and we kind of stick to it and I have to force them to stick to it. And it's usually something that's that's not so well, they don't have to be so engrossed um mm-hmm. in what they're learning. So it it might be doing memory cards or flashcards. It might be uh doing adding to their anti chart because we're doing LTW. Oh yeah. You know, those types of things that they can do piece by piece, but it's not so bad if they get distracted.
1: So, really, you're you're teaching them to make use of the moments in the day, yeah, and filling those with tasks that are appropriate to the amount of time they have available. Yes, so that's my manage their that's time my effort time. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, there do do they also do a co-op with you know science and art and other subjects as well, do you outsource those things? Yes, so we
2: used to be a part of classical conversations Uh um, for several years and after having, so those of you who are familiar with that, um, there's the upper levels are called challenge. So I ended up having three children in challenge and it was very chaotic because everyone took their work and went off to their rooms and I didn't see them anymore. Mm Yeah, and I really—the reason I got into homeschooling, the reason I wanted to homeschooling was to cultivate this life of learning together. Yeah, including myself, and and so we pulled back from that, um, and we joined our church's co-op. So it's more kind of piecemeal. You can pick which courses you're yeah. taking, and so. We, we are kind of returning to reading books, to reading the same book. They have their individual books that they still read, but being able to read a book as a family and not feel like you're encroaching on their time that they have to get their work done for, for their challenge courses. And so it, you know, we loved it. We had a wonderful community and part of the negotiation process was knowing, realizing that a lot of our community members are also part of our music program. Yeah. So that made it a little bit of a softer transition for them because they yeah. get to still see the people and the families that we all love, at least for the most part. Not all of them are in the music program. So that made it easier for them to digest um, changing course. But it w- it really did enhance our restfulness and in our, in our learning.
1: Hmm. Um, so you outsource for those classes and then you teach all of the rest of the things yourselves. And when you gather, what are you what are the main things that you're doing when you're gathering, whether that's gathering and talking, you know, reading your books at dinner what what makes up your gathering time? it that varies too. Sometimes yeah. most times scripture,
2: um, sometimes, so we I kind of I try to vary it because even the number of times we can gather during the week can vary. So we usually try to, do scripture, read whatever book we're reading aloud. And I try to pick really rich historical texts um, as well. So this year we're doing American history. Sometimes we do a documentary. Sometimes um, we're doing music and or poetry. And so though just whatever has come up in the past couple of weeks, whatever has been relevant to to life, to what they've talked about or learned in their in their class, in our homes, our co-op community. And so I just try to, you know, just go with whatever life puts in front of us, um, whatever, whatever doors open. Um, We recently saw a production of The Wind in the Willow*, And so we um, didn't get around to reading the entire book, but for a short time, that was because we had read it a while back. And so, but even just talking about the characters and just trying to make all that relevant as we were preparing. Yeah. To see that performance.
1: Do you, do you, or maybe this is depending on what they're learning in the co-op, but do you try to do as much as you can all together across the grades, like history? Yes. Yeah. Because, you know, 17 to 11, it's, you know, it's something that you can do, but it's not easy mm-hmm. with the different reading skills and interests and writing skills and so on, but the topics can transfer across the age.
2: Yes. And, and, and my youngest, sometimes he says, why am I here? <laughs> so my old, my older three are working through a rhetoric curriculum, fitting words. Mm-hmm. And we are, we're pairing that with uh, lost tools of writing. Oh, So nice. just as an example, so we will sit and read that out. I read that lesson out loud. And so my youngest is like, well, I don't, I'm not in that class. Cause that's one of the classes in our co-op that they're doing. Um, I'm teaching that class with our with so our co-op. Put
1: spitting words out. I haven't heard of that
2: Roman roads,
1: oh, okay. Yeah. can you can you explain a little bit about it?
2: It is, is um is
1: it grammar is it
2: you know a yeah, it's, just, it's learning the, the yes, the grammar around rhetoric. So what are the the types of rhetoric? And this is more oratory rhetoric. And so it talks a lot about speeches. So there are excerpts from speeches and excerpts from uh, scripture passages that they are uh, prompted to reflect on and pick out the introduction or pick out the various rhetorical devices that they're learning. And so there are summaries about how to have good, like we just covered conclusions. How do you have a good conclusion to your speech? And so that goes very well with, with LTW yeah. in the written form, mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah. And so we're kind of, we're doing them side by side. And so my youngest is listening in also. And so as we talk about it, he's hearing and he's, those seeds are being planted, but he's not having to do the exercises
1: necessarily that are
2: associated he's with.
1: Along. So much information gets taken yeah. in by the youngers, right? He's, he's pretty, he's, he's, he's pretty. Yeah.
2: He loves writing. He loves creative writing. He loves stories, and so I just kind of tie it and make it relevant for him. And so we talk about speeches, and we we grab on to whatever's happened happening in politics, or you know, we might talk about court cases that are in the news, and yeah. and talk about those particular things. You know, how does a lawyer convince the the jury? that their position is is strong and what are the disconnects in the logic. And so he's learning a lot just by listening in. And so hopefully he'll eventually be more focused on seeing the value in that as yeah. he grows and matures.
1: Um. So I'll take it a little different direction here. Do you, how do you, you mentioned that you're a single mom now um, and you're working, of course, and how do you keep, the refrigerator full of food and, you know, meals made and laundry done. And I'm sure that they all have to pitch in, but do you have a, do you have a system? Do you have chore chart? I never could get a chore chart to last a few weeks, but what do you do? Yeah. You know, I tried the chore chart thing
2: and it just, (laughs) it didn't quite fly in my home. I don't know why. So I just, I try to call their attention to things in the moment, what needs to be done. Because there's grace, I don't want them to be so rigid in their mm-hmm. in their approach to life that they feel like things are falling apart when it's not perfect. And so if there's wow, dishes in the sink, I, I try to make sure there's not crud in the sink. So I teach them about rinsing out their dishes. Um, mm-hmm. And if the dishwasher is full with clean dishes and no one's put them put has put them away, we have a talk about that, um, and we talk about waiting on someone else to do something in, or and take an initiative versus take an initiative. And what does it mean that we are waiting for someone else to step in and do the work for us? And so just really calling their attention to that. And if sometimes it's just I just give them the the imperative to go clean the dishes or to put the dishes away so that we can put these dirty dishes in the sink that are starting to overflow in the dishwasher. And so, you know, I I kind of retired from breakfasts and lunch a long time ago as my older ones got into their teen years. And so they're very good at fixing breakfast and in their own lunches. I make sure the, the ingredients are there. Mm-hmm. But they're very good at that. And so and then we kind of rotate dinner. Sometimes I put them in charge of dinners. Sometimes I do dinners and we share that, that load as well. But I don't worry about um, what they're going to eat for breakfast and lunch. I just yeah. I give them options and make sure the options are there. And even sometimes have them bring me breakfast. <laughs> nice. Bring me a cup of coffee. Sometimes the night before I'll say, hey, um, pancakes would be really nice the next morning. <laughs> Nice. And so depending on what's happening during the day, they'll they'll chip in and do that. And so just really cultivating this is our this is how our family rolls. And so we have to all pitch in and make sure we all eat. As far as groceries, it's sometimes I can plan a whole week in advance and think through what I'm doing. And sometimes it's literally getting the day's worth of meals at the Aldi in and out. Yeah.
1: Just, yeah, I know. I think that we all, we all have those days, right? Just, yeah. yeah. I'm okay, trying she, to use I the Crock-Pot pot more. So. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I'm trying to make more use of my Crock-Pot lately. So that helps. But yeah.
1: Do you, do you have time for yourself? I, I do. mean You have time to, with, with your work and you're teaching classes and you're taking the kids to co-op and, teaching them? How do you find time to read a book or do things, go for a walk, things that, you know, you just need to do for your own health and your Mm -hmm. own mental health?
2: I'm very protective of my weekends. Mm -hmm. And if I do have to work on the weekends, I, I restrict it to a certain block of time. So first thing Saturday morning, or sometimes Saturday evening, because I want to sleep in Saturday morning, you know, so it just yeah. depends on what's there for me to get done. And I try to just be really intentional about the boundaries around that time. And so, because I did get to a point where, and, you know, at one, in one season where I, there was grief, I had to deal with the grief of of working full time yeah. because it wasn't how I pictured things. And so Working through that, but then also seeing the grace in the the type of job I'm able to do and the flexibility that has come with that, and just real and just accepting that grace and being grateful for it. And so I do take time. I do take that time, and sometimes it's just that's my reward. I say if I can just get through to this point, and I it's it's re- it's really in my mind a set time. This is the last thing that I must do before I take, you know, that sabbatical for the week. And yeah. so um, I switched to giving myself Saturday to just relax and just do do nothing or do whatever with the kids, but nothing related to work or anything like that. And then Sundays is our, you know, worship and And then Sunday by Sunday evenings, we're starting to plan for the week ahead because giving myself a lot to do on Saturdays after a week full of running around was too much. And so I needed to get through Friday and then, okay, Saturday is my day to check out and have fun with the kids and or or sleep in and do those things that really restore myself. Yeah. So I reserve Saturday for my for my sabbatical and then. Because even sometimes getting to church is, you know, we got to get clothes and make sure we get out of the house in time. And and those, you know, it's restful and it's worship, but rounding up everyone and getting there. And um,
1: yeah. well, from my stage in life now, we're empty nesters mm-hmm. and um, l- imagining what you do. And, you know, we had five kids and it was busy and all of that, but I kind of forgotten but listening to you now, I'm like, wow, I, that's so exhausting. And, um, but you're, you're right that it's grace, right? You're doing a good work and you're obviously relying on the Lord and he's giving you that grace to, to live for him every day and to pour yourself out for the kids. And it's true that, you know, there there's reward now, but there's more reward coming when you see them thriving and own, you know, in the adulthood that's coming for them. So, yeah. Do yeah, you, have, that is my hope. Yeah. It, it will, it will happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah. um, do you have advice for, and I know this whole podcast has been advice as you tell your story, but um, advice for somebody who might be thinking, I can't homeschool. You know, I have to, I have to work or I can't homeschool. I'm a single mom or I just, I can't, I can't do it. Or, and they, you know, maybe they're, been struggling, and maybe they're thinking of quitting it because it's getting too hard, or maybe they don't even think it's it's an option. I'm sure that there are many people who are in your boat who just don't think they could even try.
2: Yeah, my advice would be, don't put a box. Don't put your yourselves and your family in a box. There is so much out there for homeschoolers, um, and you can craft whatever plan around your family learning that you need. And so again, if you if you need that flexibility um, in the evenings. And so your maybe your children are are doing more independent work in the in the mornings. And then your family time in the evenings is for that family learning and where they're learning together. Community is so important. I, I wouldn't be able to do this without
1: mm-hmm.
2: the community and the accountability that comes with that having other people pour into them as well. And so we we have our few little things that are protected and, and that's what I dictate. But even then we're you know, even the things that they do outside of the home, when we're together and they're needing help and assistance, even that is, ta- you know, I can tailor that and say, well, you know, ultimately I'm still your teacher. I'm still deciding how intense this needs to be. And we can pull back. We don't have to have everything um, done. What's been requested, and then just being open with that, with that other parent um, about what's happening. Um, we also uh, homeschool year-round because okay, that's how We take breaks when we need them, mm-hmm. and so when things get to a boiling point and we just we're all frazzled, we take that time to step back. Or maybe I have projects for work that I just really have to, to attend to. Um, and that flexibility is, is, is not as, um, as high as it was a few weeks before. And so I, that's the week where the kids kind of, I give them time to do more self, you know, reading themselves. And I try to say, okay, you got to do math every day. We got to do, we got to practice our math skills every day. But then other than that, it's just, I let go for those couple of weeks and then we get back on track. Um,
0: And so so we go through the summers,
2: we go, you know, we don't really take a formal break except for around the
1: holidays. So I guess that that really does help to um, avoid burnout. Mm -hmm. If you can, when you feel like you're starting to burn out, step back and take a break and regroup and, refocus on what you really want and have to do and and it sounds yes. like your children are right there with you.
2: And I try to be very intentional about how I explain things to them. So I will say we need to recalibrate.
0: Mm-hmm. We've gotten
2: off track and because I want them to associate what we're doing with the things that are in their hearts and spirits that they need to be that that I need to cultivate. Um, and that I want them to really understand and so being able to just say okay we've gotten off track and it's okay but we need to recalibrate we haven't failed we were just yeah. we need to step back and recalibrate and reassess so i yeah. don't want them to have that pressure of everything's got to be perfect and on time and and right and that it's okay to to test it out and then change course.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was, somebody somebody a few weeks ago, I think it was Kate Alba was talking about, when she was talking about homeschooling a single child and how it's easier to turn up a, a little sailboat than it is a ship. But in the same, you could use the same metaphor that in a homeschool, you're not this big, huge conglomerate. You're just yourselves. And if you just need to totally turn 180 degrees and go in a different direction, you can do that quickly.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then yeah, we forget that
2: there's still freedom there. I mean, yeah.
1: especially as they get
2: older, it's the pressure grows because you're you're transcripts and testing and high school and college. And so the pressure grows, but, and we forget as homeschoolers, we still have that freedom. And I've learned how to ask good questions. Sometimes I am not in the meat of what they're learning especially for those, some of those classes that they're doing out. But I talk to them about what they're learning and I ask good questions to assess, are they staying on track?
1: What might some of those questions be? Sometimes
2: even with math, what concepts are you learning? Mm -hmm. And tell me some of the general um, rules around how to think about these problems. I still do check it, but I may not be able to check their work in that moment but I can at least assess or, you know, a a book we're reading, what really captured your attention in in the latest thing, the latest passage or the last few chapters. You know, narration is very important. Yeah. So I can know what they're learning because they're narrating it to me. And it's an accountability too. Um, You can't just make up. And some of the stories I know really well, and so I know, if they're just making it up. But. <laughs> yeah. but
1: really, there's, no, there's no test for um, comprehension like yes. narration. They cannot make up narrating story that they mm-hmm. thought or they don't. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, any other advice along any, li- any lines? It helps just think of it as a lifelong culture
2: of learning. I mean, it's everywhere. Um, so regardless of what curriculum you're using, there's, they're learning at all times. And so even in leisurely things when you know when you're doing things as, as a family, they're echoes of of things that they're learning all throughout. And so just being attentive to those and pointing them out will spark conversations.
1: yeah. so and I think it's you know, it's like you're growing a culture in your home. you're creating your culture and and being able to talk about those things and it it's so rich. and you know, I think you're doing a beautiful job it's, it just sounds so graceful and i I can imagine your your voice is so peaceful and gracious that I'm sure your students enjoy that too I don't know
2: maybe my kids they they, they may not they may not agree I try to be very i try to but sometimes there is that okay the the balance between work ethic
1: uh-huh.
2: and the grace and the leisureliness of yeah. Of, of what we're trying to cultivate. And sometimes the work ethic isn't there. And so I have to, sometimes I'll just say, what? What's your purpose right now? You know, I had a, my one of my kids was just standing in the kitchen clicking his pen. <laughs> clicking, and I, you know, I let it go on for a couple of minutes and I just finally said, Buddy, what's your purpose right now? Because he was supposed to be doing his work.
0: Hmm.
2: And he just kind of stopped. It's like, Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: He was oh, yeah. thinking about something while he was clicking. Yeah.
2: But also tell them if your purpose is rest, just say that. Yeah, you know, say that too. They have permission to to rest and for that to be their purpose. So,
1: well, I want to thank you for being here, and I—I I mean, I got to see you and talk to you and look at you in person, which is a great blessing. But um, for our listeners, I'm really um, thankful to you for being with us and showing us how you. you accomplish this with your four and and do so much at the same time and that it's doable and not only doable but it's good Mm -hmm. and so I want to thank you for being here and on behalf of Renee who I believe Renee's been listening but um, wasn't able to jump in but I know she she also would thank you and so from both of us and from, from all of our listeners so thank you Nina thank you for having me you're welcome. Here's Jahan. Bye bye.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus,